freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Wire, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. That's a good point from Matt in Oregon. The more terrible person you date, the better the song you will write about yeah. them after the breakup. That's, yeah. that's part of her shtick. Yeah, and maybe, you know, opposites attract. Birds of a feather, same feather, don't like to flock together. She's a, she's a wordsmith. She yeah. writes her own music, and maybe she doesn't want to, you know, date another wordsmith. She just wants a jabroni. I mean, I think it's great, man. Yeah. Go date whoever you want. I'm, I'm on board. Taylor can go do whatever she wants. I'm totally fine with all that. Hey, Jerry DePoto is going to join us here in about a half hour, as he does every Thursday, leading up to this incredible, unique 10-game stretch. This has never really happened, right? Moore sent over that note from Sarah Lang yesterday that there never, with 10 games left to play, have there been three teams in one division separated by as little as a half game, but that's exactly the situation you find yourselves in. And for the Mariners, it's even bigger than it would be in Dallas or in Houston because they're playing both other squads. They don't play anybody else other than the two teams that they're almost virtually tied with. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, Houston's got to go play a couple other teams and the Royals they, and Diamondbacks. Yep. And then the uh, and then the Rangers are also going to play the Angels. So, mm-hmm. you know, for you, this is totally unique. We've never seen anything like it. And I'm just I'm, I'm over the moon. I am excited, honestly, more than anything else. But trying to just like get like a big, deep breath of calm today before I know how intense and nervous and anxious it's going to be over the next Next week or so, but I got this tweeted at me yesterday, Brock, to to ask Jerry, and I thought I'd throw it at you and, and get your thoughts on it. I think I know where I stand, but uh, someone asked me to ask Jerry whether we could see Canzone get some time at first base against righties to get more lefties in and to get France out. Yeah, interested. I'm. Gosh, Ty just feels. Right, it's so much of this other momentum is going, and we have seen Teo just heat up, right? Julio historic, JP tremendous year, and then just you know a Rojas and a Canzone and a Cabby just will have a a significant contribution, right? Just a a game or there's two or three hits. I mean, Ty has not had an he's had one double in 27 games. Yeah, I mean it, and and you can I I don't know, and maybe I'm totally projecting. I'm reading it, I'm looking at it, I'm like, man, there is just not a lot of a juice right now. And actually, I'm going to have a Jerry question, too, and it's not going to be about putting Canzone in first base. To answer that, no. Not now. You want to do that, do that 20 games ago, 15 games ago. Right. Or whatever. But if, if, you're, if you weren't willing to do that then with these 10 games yeah, I just don't against think these opponents? It. That was my answer as well. I mean, I, I was going to say, I think it's a fair question to ask. I think that, that it's reasonable to think through that and wonder, hey, could we get against righties a little bit more offense in here, find a way to get Kelnick and Teo and Ford and Canzone all in there at the same time? Now, mm-hmm. the other way to do it, you don't have to play Canzone at first. You could play Mike Ford at first. Correct. That's that's that is to me a better solution. And that to me is one that I'd be a little bit more willing to think about. I'm not interested in finding out whether or not Canzone can play France level defense. No, let at him first do that base. this offseason. Right. Let him go train, especially and, because yep. from what I've heard, he's not necessarily the world's greatest infielder. That that's not his strength right now. So yes. I'm I'm unwilling to take any kind of risk in but my defensive infield. But big handsome Mike Ford. 
I mean, I don't think he's as good a defensive first baseman as Ty France. He's not. But he's a first baseman. But if Ty's an A, he's not a C. Yeah, I mean, I guess the question is, are you willing to, in those games against right-handers here for the next week, the next 10 days and maybe into the playoffs, mm-hmm. are you willing to create a lineup with Julio in center, obviously, Kelnick and either Canzone or Teo in yeah. right, the other mm-hmm. DHing, and Mike Ford at first base? Um, yes. I think I am. Uh, yeah, I think I just, I'd be willing to do that. I'm unwilling to put. I'm unwilling to put Canzone at first, and I'm unwilling to take Ty France out against left-handed pitching. Yes, legitimate question. I mean, legitimate grace for Ty France. When you get hit more than anybody yeah. else, does that have an impact, either psychologically, physically? I know that you gave him and and you know talked about his injury. Yeah through August and September last year, and, and there's a lot of debate about that. He said he was fine. You know, they said that, a lot of back and forth. But I just wonder if taking the beating. It seems possible. Yeah. I mean, I he's mean, no I think Joe a, Cap. Again, it's a fair he's no question. Joe Cap in the he's, batter's he's box. no Joe Cap So when there. you take a beating like that, does it have both mentally and physically, and even like just, sub, just subconsciously, does it have a, a wear down effect over the course of the season? I mean, I think you, I'm, I'm legitimately asked, Jerry, and not even about Ty, but maybe players in the past that get hit that much. You know what you want to do to Bryce Young or Andy Dalton Sunday? Hit him. Mm. You know, the only way you could get to Tom Brady in a Super Bowl, NASCAR package, hit him. I know baseball is different, but when you get hit more than anybody and like twice as much as anybody on your team, does that start to have an impact and wear you down at the end of the year? I mean, and it wouldn't so, be surprising. I don't know if that's the issue with Ty right now. I don't know if that's the reason he's been zapped of his well, power. Well, Mike Ford can run into a home run. Yep. And if you're telling me the playoffs start Friday, tomorrow. Well, it's not a Mike Ford question. It's a Canzone question, though, because Mike Ford's going to DH, you would think, in those spots anyway. It's a Canzone question. Don't put him in a situation that he's never been in. But I'm not saying that. No, no, no. It's a who do you want in the lineup question, Canzone or France. Right? Are you willing to go Ford at first, Canzone, let's say, DHing, rather than France at first and Ford DHing? I don't know the answer to it. I'm willing. I would be willing to try that out, though. Honestly, I would. I'd be willing to throw Mike Ford a few games at first base, especially going up against some tough, tough righties. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that one is absolutely worth thinking about here down the stretch. But hard to do it now for these ten games when you haven't really done it much leading up to it. But man, this is crunch time. Like you've given Ty France 152 games to get it figured out this year, and now you got ten to make the playoffs. It's going to be a real tough one. All right, Jared Poto is going to join us coming up in 20 minutes. We'll ask him about a whole bunch of this stuff and more right after Need to Know Next. Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710, the Seattle Sports app as well. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. All right, I was so excited about Canzone's home run that throughout Need to Know, I keep playing it, which means I've been giving short shrift to Julio's because it was his 100th RBI and it was a pretty impressive shot himself. The 2-2 to Julio. Swing and a fly ball deep into the gap in the right center field. Butler going back to the warning track to the wall, and this one is gone. Goodbye baseball. Julio Rodriguez gets his 100th RBI of the season on his 31st home run of the year. And it was, Brock, another opportunity. Opposite field home run. It is incredible how many times he has gone to right, right, the center, most. center. I mean, when they shoot the most oppo tacos in the league, right? Isn't it crazy? 
shots. <laughs> kind of, but not really when you watch him. I mean, that, that, is, that is his game and his swing. And as he said, I can be a power guy that just does, does nothing but pull. You know, I think the world saw that in back-to-back home run derbies. Well, I think we got to see that in uh, April and May and June. I, I mean, <laughs> we did. That's what Julio Rodriguez looks like when he tries to pull everything. We yeah. saw it in April and May and June. And then in July and, of course, in August and September, he is remembered to, um, you know, use the entirety of the baseball field. And since he's done that, he's just been unbelievably on fire. One mm-hmm. of three home runs that they hit yesterday. He was, uh, you know, Julio. Now, he did get hit with a pitch. There was some nervousness. He said afterwards he was going to be okay. Scott seemed a little nervous about it as well. But I think more than anything, everyone's just pumped for what's to come. I'm definitely really excited. You know, I feel like everybody's ready uh, to, to get to the field, honestly. Like, everybody's excited. Everybody's ready to compete. And at the end of the day, we're going to lay everything down on the, on the line over there. It's like a cat vomiting mm. in the background or something. I don't know what's going on back there. Mariners are going to have watch parties at the Hatback Bar and Grill this Friday and Saturday as they're taking on the Rangers food and drink specials. And fans who wear Mariner gear are going to get 15% off, which is a pretty nice little deal. Um, it's going to be crazy, Brock. It's just going to be Are nuts. you familiar with Bueller? Bueller? Bueller, you hear? As in Walker Bueller? Yeah. Who, who in 2019 did what George Kirby did. And before that, it was like in the 1950s. George Kirby put together his 11th quality start with zero walks. Not one, not two, zero. Amazing. Walker Bueller did it in 2019. Before that, it was 1952 with the great Robin Roberts. Pretty impressive for guys under 25 years of age. To do that and put together now his 11th. Let's hope there's a 12th and maybe a 13th along the way. As yeah, well. that would be kind of nice. You're going to get two more shots with him and Castillo. Each, in fact, each member of the rotation is going to go two more times at this point. So can't wait. We'll talk to Jerry a little bit more about this coming up in 10 minutes. Here's the second thing you need to right, know. What's your level of concern, Brock? Injury report for the Seahawks had nine guys, speaking of Ferris Bueller, nine guys unable to practice. Scale of one to ten, seven. It's a seven. I, I, I really don't like early in the year and, and, and group trying to get together. You know, we just played that promo of Uchenna saying communication is important. We'd like to see Jaron Reed. We'd like to see everybody in that front get on the same page. And you're talking about, like, significant starters. As you run down that list, go ahead and fire it at me. I mean, this isn't, you know, backups to backups. These are... Talking DK, Jaron Reed, Boye Mafe, Will Disley, Tariq Woolen, Kobe Bryant, Julian Love. That's seven starters. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, so no I'm kidding. a seven today. Let, let me see Thursday's practice report. Let me see if that was, hey, it's a bit of a trip. It was an extra physical game. Let's make sure we get right. Remember, we got an early buy coming as well, so we're not going to push this thing at all. Make sure you get yourself right. If we have seven starters missing today as did not participate, that worry meter is going to crank up a little Well, more. in the meantime, we're waiting to find out if Jamal Adams is going to be able to go. He was not one of those. He was a full participant yesterday. There's always the possibility that the guy, you know, he could play because he's practicing with us. He'll go full go today and, and have a great week, I hope. We're planning on you know making sure that we don't do it until the time is exactly right so we're trying to just measure that sensing from how he feels and all that he's really excited about how close he is now um so we'll see what happens hmm. 
Oops. Sound good? Yes. No. That doesn't sound great. That sounds like next week, right? Yeah. Okay, so we'll back off some of the conversation about Jamal and kind of start getting ourselves ready for next week on Unless that Pete's front. playing coy. True. Also trying to figure out what's going on with the Panthers starting quarterback. Bryce Young mispracticed with an ankle injury yesterday. Very good possibility he wouldn't play just based no. on... How cl- no. you know how guarded they may be with the number one overall pick. If so, Brock, no. I know. No. The Red Rifle himself, Andy Dalton, and yes, four one against you. I know. I'd rather see Bryce Young. <laughs> so yes. crazy. We may be the only ones, but for now, yeah, I would rather see Bryce Young. Here's the third thing you need to know. Kraken rookies reporting for camp uh, this week. Vets have already arrived for media day. Training camp starts today and I believe runs through, what, October 9th. Practices will be open to the fans who go up to the Kraken Iceplex up uh, in Northgate. That facility is so freaking nice. We go there all the time to go skating and it's nice and only getting nicer as they continue to build out all of the shops and courtyards and everything else up there. But uh, Shane Wright is sort of the story, right? Right off the bat came in looking a little bit stronger a little bit more confident and now knows that he does at least have the ability to go to Coachella to the AHL if he doesn't make the team but he's focused on bigger things yeah obviously that's that's great um if that's you know the situation obviously you know my goal is to earn my spot in Seattle and to make that team but um you know whatever happens happens and uh if no, I'm not able to, do, able to do that right out of training camp. Obviously, it'll be nice to be able to go into Coachella and play there. But, you know, not really trying to focus on that. Really, I want to make sure I can you know, go and earn my spot and prove myself that I deserve to be on Seattle this year. He was a top five pick, right? He's a top five pick? I think he he was in his mind, he was the number four? one pick. I want to say number four. In his mind, he was disappointed that he wasn't the number one pick, right? Yes. So, NHL, NFL, and he is it more MLB. I mean, if you're top five pick... Should this be go time for Shane Wright? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I would say so. It doesn't look if he doesn't make the team out of camp, it's not the end of the world. But by the end of this year, I think you'd really like to start seeing some contributions from Shane Wright. I think that would be a, a pretty safe bet. There you go. That's everything you need to know. We do a quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Sulk show. Brock, I know you got to get out of here a little early today. Um, so we're going to talk to but Jerry. I'm going to be on tomorrow. Okay, good. Oh, that's good. That's exciting. Yes. We're going to have yes. a little Brock here, a little extra bonus Brock time. At yeah. 930, I am going to make a definitive statement, a positive definitive statement about a Seattle legend. So stick around. Now, 930, Brock won't be here for it. You're just going to have to wait and wonder, do that when I'm gone. At 930, without you, I am going to make a definitive, positive statement about a Seattle legend. Wait, didn't we already make that statement today? Not not exactly Joe Cap there in the pocket. (laughs) This is a positive statement, not a a negative one. In the meantime, we're going to talk to Jerry DePoto, Mariners president of baseball operations. His team has put themselves in position for an absolutely epic 10-game stretch. What should we expect? Stick around. We'll find out next on Brock and Salk. This this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. All right, Jerry Poto going to be joining us here in just a moment or two, Brock. He's got to be pumped, but also nervous, right? I mean, like, this is... This is such a, again, totally unique. It's never happened before in baseball. When we say divisions went into play in the 60s? 1969. Okay, so we're talking about, at the very least, what, 60 years? Okay, 50-something years? 
Brock, in all of that time, we've never seen a division race come down to the final 10 days with three teams this close together. It's insane. And they've all gotten there in completely different ways, right? Texas started off like a house of fire, then had an epic collapse and now seems to have sort of stabilized the plane. Houston started off somewhat slowly, but they've been sort of up and down all year long, I would say. They go up, they go down, they go up, they go down, and they've sort of reached their level, whereas we know where the Mariners were at. Totally mediocre, and I know people are going to say, awful major. No, 500. 500? 500. Mediocre, right? I mean, if the Rangers had played over the last month and a half the way the Mariners had played in the first month and a half, They'd be they'd have run away with the division. It wouldn't even be close. Yep. So it was never that bad. It was a lot of sort of mediocrity. And then, of course, unbelievably hot in August. And now here you are. These three teams all basically tied up, 100% tied up in the loss column with 10 games left to play. That's where we find Jerry DePoto. The Jerry DePoto Show, presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports. This is crazy, Jerry. Honestly, like this is... It's unprecedented. It's unique. How are we feeling heading into these last 10 games? Uh, You know, like we're experiencing a little bit of history and, and it's a lot of fun. I, you know, I was, I was actually on the, we were on the flight last night and I, I said to, to Scott and to Justin who were sitting with me, uh, this in, I was with the Diamondbacks in 2007. And although it wasn't quite this close with 10 games to go, it was even closer with one game to go. (laughs) And, and we all wound up tying three-way tie for the divisional lead. And, and with the Diamondbacks, we won a tiebreaker and the other two had to play a play-in game. And, uh, and, and I will say having, you know, going in the Wayback Machine, it was so exciting, you know, going down the, the stretch, every out mattered and you were hanging on the edge of it. And, you know, every loss felt like you, you just, I mean, truly like you just fell down and, and you can't get back up. And then every win felt like the most exciting thing that's ever happened. You know, Salk has told me a bunch over the last few years, Jerry, that it just in September, through his life experience covering baseball and, and playoffs and everything else, the teams just lock in, that there is just this locked-in mentality. Um, I'm curious, A, do, do you buy into that same camp here in September down the stretch into a playoff push? And if so, what do you look for in a locked-in baseball team? Well, I, I guess I do buy into that. I, I think there's you start to smell the finish line. And you know, I, I guess in some ways it's like a marathoner, which is weirdly enough of, when you're comparing sports, baseball is probably more similar to, to running a marathon than most anything else you can compare it to. But, uh, you know, when, when you see that finish line and you can you can get that last bit, that kick, and and I think you're seeing it right now, frankly, with some of the teams around us. And, you know, I, I think we showed a little of that in Oakland. We went in, we focused, and, and we did what we had to do. I think you saw it with the, the Orioles for sure over the last week or 10 days. You're seeing it for sure with the Blue Jays. They are locked in. And and what you see is just that focus. It's it's good at bats. You're not throwing it away. You don't see a lot of sloppy mistakes. And And inevitably in those moments, you're like you you find the unheralded contributor who steps up and does the big thing and and it happens frequently over the course of however long that lasts including into the postseason and and then sometimes you know the buddy bianca lanas and the brian doyles become famous for for a period of time because that's what happens when when those teams lock in 
Well, you certainly have some candidates on your team for that. And, and if somebody's going to step up and be a hero here over the course of the next 10 days, we'll take it. Just looking at the, the team sort of objectively, how do you think they're playing? Uh, you know, again, a lot better in, in Oakland than maybe we have in a while. And I thought we were pretty good on homestand. We just ran into a Dodgers team that is very good. And, you know, I, I honestly, I hope we run into them again and we're better the next time. But it's, uh, you know, we, I thought we played well in the Angels series. I know we played well in this in this Oakland series that, that just passed, which was a reprieve after what was a pretty rough road trip. And, you know, right now we're doing the things that we need to do. I, I do think, uh, and this is just a, more of a feel than anything else, you know, when you're around our guys and they're out on the field, they're going through their pregame, it's the, the the crispness in the air in Oakland helped a little bit. You know, just being, you know, you feel like it's fall baseball. And, and I know, you know, when we had our, our postgame get-together last night with, in the, with the coaches, it, as soon as Scott walked in the room, first thing he said was, well, boys, every game from here on out is a playoff game. And, and that's about how it feels. Mm. We've been trying to come up with a name for these 10 games. None of them have really stuck. I, I was starting to think of it almost as hell week, just thinking of how stressful things are likely to be. And, and you sort of described that very well earlier. But it's such a bizarre situation to have 10 virtual playoff games, hopefully followed by the playoffs. You know, what's weird is, is I think in the in, in the world of a fan, as you're, as you're watching it, you kind of feel like every day is that day. <laughs> as, uh, as I, you know, if I look back to when I was a kid, when I'm watching it, every game, you know, you're so high and you're so low. And, and I guess over these ten games, the, the key becomes as a player, just making sure you're focused on what's in front of you and and not worrying about what lies ahead and not thinking at all about what's already in the rear view. And and that's a real challenge, and, and hopefully it's something that, that through development, that, that during our time here together we've, we've done well and kind of, I guess, passing along to our players is, is just that. You know, be where your feet are and go out there and, and do what you do, control the moment. And you know, we, we tend to do that very well, which is why I think we bounce back after we, we lose a couple, and, and we don't let it compound on us. You bring up that analogy of a marathon, and as I'm thinking about that, with three runners in the final mile and a half or, or mile or however it would correlate to a baseball season, I, to your point, I don't think they're really worried or focused on the matchup with who's next to them. I think they're so just locked into the prize at the end and finishing and winning it. I am curious, do matchups come into play? Because when you talk about NBA playoffs, or, or it's all about matchups. You hear that all the time. Or in the NCAA tournament, it's all about matchups, matchups, matchups. Do matchups come up into play with Houston and Texas, or is it a little bit more about that individual and what you do? I think it's all about what you do. And then right now we are, you know, in a weird way, we're all, you know, within gummed up and within a half game of one another. And we are the, the unique one in that we control all of that because of who we're playing and and that's you know parts gift and and part you know a little bit scary that that you're going in and and every one of these games matters that much to the to the final outcome but you know it's it's great to be in the driver's seat in that way you know we may be you know half a game behind houston but the fact that we're playing all 10 of our games against the astros and the rangers is meaningful and and then 
after that, it's just getting in, you know, getting on the dance floor and, and trusting that, that our 26 men and our strategies and our readiness is better than whoever we play. So, you know, to that end, once we get to the, the, the end line, however we get in is how we get in. It's just a matter of winning the games between now and then. Just to talk through a couple of the individuals on the team, I wanted to start with Cal. Uh, we've talked so much about his bat and the power and the way he handles the staff, but all of a sudden in the last couple of weeks, the numbers thrown out runners went from maybe a little bit of a concern to, oh my God, what an amazing strength. What has he done over the last few weeks defensively? You know, it's it's been remarkable how big those those thrown thrown out stealings or cost stealings have been for us in the moment, and you know how it, I I can look back in my mind's eye whether it's ending a game or, or two in an inning, he's he has been throwing the ball very well, and and it, this is part of Cal's skill set. You know, he's he's always thrown the ball well, he's always managed it, but. More than anything else, like the, the caught stealing to end the game, you know, at the Angels game a week back, it's the, the two and netting uh, earlier, I guess, in the Oakland homestand. You know, what Cal has a, a knack for is coming up big in the big moment, whether it's throwing a runner out, it's a big homer, it's the, you know, it's the hit that you needed. He has that, that, innate ability to, to step up and do that thing, whether he's going good or not with the bat or with the glove, it, he has the ability to rise in that moment. And, you know, he's, he has had a big season and, and he's had an even bigger second half. And it, with the, with the, as much humility as you can have. And I said to him uh, after the game the other night in Oakland, I said, wow, awesome job throwing. And he said, great tags. That's all I said. And, you know, and I think that's, that's, that's Cal is, uh, you know, he's just kind of unassuming. He goes about his business. And when you look up and you see, you know, the, the body of work, it's pretty remarkable. How cool was it that the hundred RBI came on an oppo taco and nobody has hit more opposite field home runs than Julio Rodriguez. You know, Salk was saying earlier in the year and Julio said it after the game. Yeah, I, I, I know I have power. I can, I have pull power. Did this thing flip a little bit in June, July, and certainly into the most red-hot August we've ever seen once those home runs started going the other way? Uh, you know, I, I think the, the opposite field homer suggests to me, more than anything else, it suggests to me that he's in the strike zone with the barrel of his bat and that he's allowing the ball to get in there. And, you know, it's, he's waiting to trigger his swing. And if you do that, you're just going to – you're going to – you're going to be hitting better pitches because you track them deeper in. And uh, I know I think that might sound a little bit scientific, but it shouldn't be. You know, it's, you're, you're getting a little bit longer to track the ball and you get a little bit longer to decide whether you're going to swing or not. And he has the gift of insane athleticism and bat speed where, you know, he can wait a little longer than the others and still hit it, you know. 375 to 420 feet to, to right center field on a line. <laughs> he's, he's gifted. And, uh, you know, his, his season has been unbelievable, uh, especially what he's done since the first of July. And, and I think if you count back to, to that point, you know, from the, from the first of July or even the first of August, you know, no matter where you cut it off, he's going to be one of the two or three best hitters in our league in almost every category power speed it's it's roughly you you look it's slug it's batting average it's hits it's counting stats it's it's more boutique metrics it's, he's doing things that 
that are pretty unbelievable. And then you consider the fact that he won't turn 23 until December. And I, he's he's been a driving force mm. for sure. I like the term boutique metrics. That's funny. Mm. And I don't think I've heard that one. I like, I mean, I think I know what you mean, but just sort of a, a funny way of looking like a boutique hotel. But they're these yeah, very specialized metrics and they show just how good somebody like Julio can be. Uh, as we go through some, some again, a few other individuals, Canzone's home run yesterday. I, I mean, just an absolute when he gets the home run, he doesn't get cheated at all. He hits some real legit ones. Are there ways to try to get him into the lineup more against righties? Now that Kelnick's back, could we see a Mike Ford maybe play first base or something like that to try to get more lefties into the lineup? I certainly don't think it's out of the, the realm of possibility. And, you know, it's the, the beautiful thing is that there's a challenge to it. You know, J.K. swinging the bat well. Mike Ford has been really good for us this year. And and when you have the, the I guess, when you have enough appealing players from a single side of the plate that you can line them up and, and one of them is, is left sitting on the bench on a given day, it's kind of a luxury that we've never had. And you know, it's more the other way where you're looking for that one guy that you can find that might be able to slip in there. And you know, what I, you can see it, and, and it was never more apparent than in the Oakland series. It, it's fun to manage when you have the Canzones and the Dylan Moores and the Sam Haggerty's and the Mike Fords and, and the Josh Rojas's. And when you get to that certain point in the game, you can start juggling to create left, right matchups and, and, and it actually won us a game there in the middle of that series. And, and I, and I, I think it's a good thing. You know, Josh is, 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 has been great for us since he came over. He provides you that when he came over, I think we saw better versions or more, you know, contribution from the right-handed hitters who sub in for him. And the same is true of Dom. You know, it's when he gets his opportunities, he's got that big bang in him. And, and we're just maybe that one right-handed bat short of being able to juggle it all day long, but I'd rather view it as a luxury right now. And we'll worry about how to manage big picture, you know, plate appearances in 2024 for right now, put the best guy in the best matchup and let him roll. And, and we'll see where we land. Jerry, you got any boutique metrics that you know will be extra, extra critical in these final 10 days? I, I don't. <laughs> you know, it's a, they're, it's a, mostly because you're asking me that one on the fly and I haven't had a chance to think through, you know, but, yeah. the, you know, a boutique, it's just a, a foofy, fancy stat to, that tells us, you know, more often than not that there's something happening underneath the, the hood that maybe we're not seeing as clearly. And, and uh, you know, it's, there's always something, and, and but with ten days to go, this one's you know it's about focus, it's about grit, it's about not giving away outs, and you know more than anything else, I think these last ten games are focus, and this is not a boutique stat in any way, but it, I would, we call it free bases. You can't give up the free bases. You know the the walks, the errors, the the advancing on dirt balls. That's how you win close games. Playoff baseball is typically you know, tightly contested. It's going to be a lot of you know tight games, and we're used to playing in these types of games. and And this is where you win those games is 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 in the trenches with you know the, the ability to limit those three bases and find ways to generate them on your own. 
We knew the team was tired coming back from uh, the long road trip. They had the home stand, a nice three-game sweep where none of the games were that, that close in Oakland. Where is the team at now sort of, I don't want to say health-wise, but, but, but sort of exhaustion or, or energy-wise, energy especially in the bullpen? Yeah, I think across the board, we're in really good shape. Uh, you know, it's we were able to, to get through the three games in Oakland without doing, you know, crazy things. Our starting pitchers gave us innings, which was huge. Uh, you know, our bullpen was able to reset some where nobody got beat up over those three days. And now you get the one last breather, you know, the, the final off day of the season before you go into the gauntlet. And there was some energy, you know, leaving the ballpark yesterday, getting on the plane, and I think part of that was that the guys knew they had an off day, you know, that they knew what was coming. And, and there's, you know, they're as fired up to, to experience this as they think, you know, our fans are to watch it. And, and, and not even just our fans. I'm certain that it's also true of the Astros and Rangers fans and, and just around the league. I think the, the excitement for what's happening in the LOS, the LOS right now is, like, is palpable. You, you see it in national broadcasts or on the network. It's, it's fun for baseball. You got it lined up uh, sort of along those lines. You got it lined up so that each pitcher right now makes two more starts the rest of the way. Is there any chance we could see that get juggled at all? Not necessarily the way the Astros just did in terms of matchups, but to use somebody out of the pen in a big spot and then have to go with a bullpen day or anything like that. Is there any is there any chance we could see things get moved around? I guess it's possible that it won't be because we designed it that way. You know, when we when we made our adjustments and we gave Wu a little bit of a break. You know, we, we set it up to, to land the way we wanted it to land coming down the, the, the stretch and give ourselves, the, I guess, the best opportunity to, to both go out and win a division and set ourselves up, you know, for, for what we hope is, is an early playoff game. And, you know, it's in an ideal world, we do win the division and we get a little bit of a break. But, you know, it may not work out that way. Fortunately for us, I think we have five starting pitchers that we really trust. And we have a bullpen that I'm certain over these next 10 days are going to have to pitch a lot in, in order for us to get where we want to go. And and we're probably not going to fiddle around with that too much. Just let it let it play out and, and give the guys that, that brought us here the opportunity to, to finish it off. Hey, last two ones from me, Jerry. Kind of a fun one first. Did you ever pitch against Deion Sanders prime? I did, and it was. I have to say, pitching against Dion, I wouldn't call it. You know, it, it wasn't like Mark McGuire was getting in the box. But when Dion was on first base, it was terrifying. <laughs> and and I, I, he played. There was a period of time where he was in Cincinnati, and they had, you know, they had Dion and and Barry Larkin and Reggie Sanders, guys who could really run and steal bases. But when Dion was on first base, it was just different than the others. To the extent that, you know, during my Rockies years, I was with the Rockies for four years in the in the ninety late nineties, and and Don Baylor was our manager, and in spring training we had the Dion drill. You know, we had a we had a drill where, and I don't remember the exact time allocation, but he used a stopwatch to time, you know, us getting over to first base on the the three to one feet, you know, the ground ball to first base wow. feed to the pitcher because we had experienced multiple instances the year prior of Dion beating our pitcher to the bag <laughs> going down the line. So, 
so we through spring training we just timed it and uh it was it was uh one of those things you, as you're going through it you're rolling your eyes thinking this is ridiculous until you are the one having to cover first base and he's yeah. breathing down your neck ty france ever meet don baylor it feels like those two guys should talk about getting hit by pitches and just sort of like <laughs> gotta go over the art of it I wish he would have, you know, sadly we lost on a little earlier than we should have, yeah. but Ty is, Ty is, uh, you know, he's having that year where he's just wearing it. And, you know, I, I, in a weird way, and, and, you know, I've been around players like this before, you know, Carlos Quentin had this skill and, and it really is a skill guys that stand close to the plate that don't give up ground, you know, that, that do wait. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's unique and and it is a weapon because it allows Ty to run an on base average that's above the league average and and you know as long as he keeps getting hit on that that shoulder guard and I know it hurts <laughs> but it it has to hurt less than getting hit flush and and uh, it is it is you know a, a weapon for certain offensive players and it sure has been for Ty. Well, fun thing is I've ended most of these over the last couple months asking you just specifically about this series. And you have painted, whether it was heading to, to New York or, or the different series that we have faced here over the last month or two, just in a way that we don't always see. So from, uh, from your seat, just as you can just kind of forecast these next three in Texas against this opponent, what will be just some of the most critical keys? Well, I mean, I think it goes without saying these will be, you know, the next three biggest games we've played all year. And, and in some ways, for a lot of our players, this will be a similar experience to what we felt last season when we went into, you know, our, our postseason series with, with Toronto and Houston and, you know, just it's controlling the moment and not letting it get too fast going out there. It's a, it's a huge ballpark. You know, if you've not been here at the new ballpark in Texas, it is enormous and it's, it's built, it feels like it's built, you know, North and South more than just about any other ballpark in our league. So it feels like you're in this giant auditorium once the roof closes and <laughs> don't let the size or the enormity of, of the moment, you know, take you over. And, and I, our guys do a great job of that. We have such, and this is a tribute to Gino. It's a tribute to JP that, you know, guys in our clubhouse who are able to keep the intensity without losing the looseness. And that's going to be important for us this weekend because you got to throw strikes. You got to keep them off the bases, and more important than anything, you have to keep them from advancing without doing something to to earn it. It is so crazy how differently you know all three of these teams are a built and b have gotten to this point. But we are going to get to witness something that no one's ever seen before. So uh, I'm very just as a baseball fan, as a Mariner fan, pretty darn excited. Jerry, thank you. We appreciate uh, you taking a few minutes. And of course, we'll do it again when we do it next week. We'll be gearing up for basically the final series of the year. Unbelievable to think about. So thank you. Appreciate it. You got it, guys. Talk right, to there you week. go. There's Jerry Depoto, Mariners president of baseball operations. I get a little chills thinking I about this, too. man, right? Why do I have a little goosebumps? I think because it's never happened before. I think that's what it is. It's that idea that this is this has never happened. It's unique. No one has ever seen three teams come down the stretch like mm. this, and specifically where one of them is going to play the other two for all ten games, and we get yeah. to be in that spot. The West it's amazing. West. The West Quest, yes. The Quest, quest for the West. For the West. <laughs> yeah. Hell week. You call whatever you want. I can't wait. It's going to be so much <laughs> fun starting off. tomorrow. We'll be right back. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, salesports.com.